Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Elements City Church. How's it going tonight? Good. There's a good turnout. We didn't know what to expect with, uh, with it being Memorial Day weekend. Uh, sometimes it's vacation time, but I think uh, we've got a lot of people who are excited about the potluck tonight, maybe. And that's why so many of you are on time. Congratulations. I'm not used to seeing a room this full at the beginning. This is it's a little bit weird. Jack, what do I do? What do I do? I don't even know. What do I, I'm just kidding. My name is Lyle. I'm one of the pastors here. Just want to say welcome. If it's your first time, uh, I know I met uh, already someone who it's his first time tonight as well. Um, so you picked a great night to be here because uh, we're going to hang out afterward. We've got everybody's bringing like their famous stuff. I got my famous chicken pot pie. That's what's up. You're going to love it. The, the eight of you who are going to be able to eat it. Uh, we've got a dessert auction that's going on as well. Uh, that is all going to help our, our youth get to camp. So we're do, raising money for scholarships for them to go. So uh, if you are new, just want to let you know a couple things. One, we have the Elements City Church app that you can download on your phone, whether that's in the, uh, the, the Google Store. Uh, what do they call it? The Play Store? Google Play Store or the uh, Apple App Store. You can pick it up there. Uh, there's a little button in there for the connection card. If you want to fill that out, you can give us your your information so that we can Facebook stalk you uh, and do all the creepy stuff that people do online these days. Uh, we'll probably try to send you about 15 emails a week. I think that's the par for the course, right? Your spam filter will pick it up real quickly. Don't worry about it. I'm kidding on all that stuff. I really am. I promise. Uh, but yeah, we just want to get to know a little bit more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Um, so we also do the 10-minute party that's in the back. So 10 minutes, that's uh, how long a pastor will be back there at the end. Are we going to do that tonight, Jack? Can we get confirmation? I don't even see him. I don't know that we're going to do that because we're going to have the, the potluck going on right away. Someone will probably be back there, though, because we have the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. And we want to make sure you get that free kettle corn as your gift uh, for coming and joining us uh, tonight. So, sweet. Let's all stand together. Uh, we, we do want to remember it is Memorial Day weekend. Um, so we, as a church, we've constantly had folks who have served in the military and veterans. Uh, and the reality is... Uh, not many of us are, are very far removed from someone who has served, who's been injured in war, uh, or who has given their lives and given the ultimate sacrifice for our country. And so we want to remember that. And uh, gosh, our country just needs prayer right now, doesn't it? Um, with everything that's going on. And the reality is, uh, we've got the answer. We've got the hope in this building. It's Jesus. And we have to carry that light of Christ within us into every place we go to be the light so we want to remember our Church of the Week. We're going to pray for Calvary Christian Fellowship and his, uh, the pastor there, Pastor Scotty. Um, but we definitely uh, want to continue to pray for the country and just pray for our night tonight that God would move in power, that we would experience his presence. Amen. So join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for tonight. We just stop to take a moment to say uh, the things that we've witnessed uh, in the last few weeks have been gut-wrenching. Just as a Christian, as people of compassion, um, man, how can our hearts not go out for the people in the community of Uvalde in Texas? How can our hearts not go out for those in Buffalo, um, for the church in California that recently had a shooter as well? Um, things are not right in this world. And your, your word tells us that. Scripture tells us that. It lets us know that there will uh, be trials. There'll be tribulations. There'll be chaos. There'll be awful situations. And yet you tell us to take heart because you've overcome the world, Jesus. That's the gospel hope that all of us live in, that you've overcome this world. And so in you, we can always uh, have hope for what's next, hope for the future. And so we pray for those who are grieving, for those who uh, this week in their mourning, the loss of children, of spouses, of their grandkids, 
and their friends, their family, and our hearts are with them, Lord. Um, we grieve as well. For those who are grieving and mourning and remembering the loss of a loved one who, who died in battle, uh, that's what this weekend is meant to be about in Memorial Day. And so would we just have that heart uh, of compassion for people uh, to remember just to, to ask how they're doing and when the opportunity presents itself to share the hope and the light of Jesus with them. God, we wanna lift up uh, Calvary Christian Fellowship and their pastor, Scott. Lord, we pray your blessing over them. We pray that you'd continue uh, to grow their church and give them influence here in this neighborhood. They're right up the street, God, and, and we pray for them. We pray that you would draw people uh, to be a part of that community, to help build that community so that they also can shine the light of Jesus right here in Midtown, that they can bring your hope, your gospel message to people who need it. But God, would you be present tonight as we worship you? Would you move in power? Would you speak to us, whether that be through a song lyric, whether that be through a moment in the message tonight as Jack comes to speak, whatever it is, God, we're ready to hear from you. We're ready to hear from you. And so we look to you now, Jesus. We worship you with all that we have. And everyone said, amen. Through the dead of night See the kingdom burst into color At the speed of light Freedom Shaking up the atmosphere As the shadows fade into nothing As the day appears on the skies above, love reaching out for us, the everlasting one, Jesus our God, oh we look to the sun, set eyes on our Savior, see the image of love. the kingdom come see the hope of heaven shining like the rising sun now forever lifted up from death to life there's no fear in love and no darkness in his endless light beyond the sky Love reaching out for us The everlasting one Jesus our God We look to the sun Set eyes on our Savior See the image of love
looking out for us the everlasting one jesus our god come on beyond the skies above the reaching out for us the everlasting one jesus our
challenging message. It's challenging to love our enemies. It's challenging to love people uh, who hurt us, who come against us. And yet that's what we're called to do. And the only way we can do it is if we lean ourselves completely and fully into you and learn of the love that you have for us, that transformative love that, that found us in our deepest and our darkest places where we were furthest away from you. And yet even then, your love was strong enough, powerful enough to redeem us and to bring us home. Man, that's our story, God. And we want that story for others. As a church, we wanna be the type of people who invite others into that kind of a life, to experience that kind of a love. And your word tells us that we love because you loved us first. You showed us the way, God. And so would you help us in these next few minutes to love you well? Speak to us on what that's gonna look like. Would you allow us just to set aside all distractions, anything that might hinder your word penetrating into our hearts the way that it's, it's meant to. Let us just focus in on what it is that you wanna say to us so we can hear from your Holy Spirit. Father, would you anoint Pastor Jack as he comes to speak tonight? Would you speak words of truth through him? Words that challenge us, uh, and yet words that bring us life, that bring us hope.
come and move in power tonight, Jesus. We worship you. We glorify you. We declare that your name is the name that's above every other name. The only name worthy of it all. We love you, Lord. We pray in your precious, your holy name. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Amen. Well, <clears throat> great to have you here on Memorial Day weekend. Uh, for those of you tuning in, hello. We are going to eat on your behalf uh, here in a few minutes at our potluck. And so thanks for sticking around for those of you that are doing that. Um, what I want you to think about, we're in this sermon series on the, on the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to think about what do you think about when you think about enemies, what do you think about when you think about enemies? You know, for some of you, it may be uh, your favorite superhero movie. And your favorite superhero movie, and then you think of the villain that plays opposite of them and the enemy that's a part of that. Maybe that's what stirs to your mind. Maybe like me, you've walked into your backyard recently and you've seen all the cobwebs that are starting to be there and the piles of ants and you're like, I've got to make them my enemy now and I've got to take this on or I've got to call Rich, Wildcat Exterminating, plug, okay, and uh, help him and, and like help him declare war on these bugs that are invading my backyard. So maybe what it is for you, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's uh, maybe a big sports rival. Maybe you're a sports fan like I am, and you can't even say the school up north. Um, I think we have a slide. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to let you infer what that is, um, but I'm a Jesus follower, and I'm against the devil, okay? So... <laughs> That's, I ride with Jesus on that, and I'm just going to let you go. So I told my kids if they ever, like, got a full-ride scholarship plus something, they could go to that school. Otherwise, no. Um, and we just figured out they could deal with debt. Uh, but, like, maybe uh, if we go a little deeper than that, um, if we're honest, for some of you, you, you may have, like, an honest enemy like someone that you would see, and maybe something in your past that, um, that you don't even want to talk about. And maybe if it was just you and me at coffee, you'd be willing to maybe go sort of kind of there, but maybe not even fully there. And, and I understand that this is real for a lot of people. It's real in our world, isn't it? If we're just honest... Just the last two weeks. It's, it's just real. Like, enemies are a part of it. And I know we can talk about, okay, the enemy of people who have different ideologies or different political leanings. But evil is, is real. And, and we can see it. And so what do you do with this idea of enemy and love? Because that's what we're going to look at as Jesus wraps up this little first section of the Sermon on the Mount what he says is not for the faint of heart. And so if you're uh, someone who just got invited here uh, by a friend um, tonight, might feel a little heavy, but you got a potluck waiting for you, so it's going to be good. Um, but it may feel, it may stir some things in you. For some of you who maybe have some, some more pain in your past, this may stir some things in you because it's really challenging what Jesus says. 
But there's no way to sugarcoat it. And I don't want us to skip over it. I want us to kind of look into it. We've been looking into the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, like Lyle said last week, and so if you missed Lyle's message last week, it was great. You ought to go back and listen to it. You can kind of keep up this whole summer if you're traveling with us. We, we travel light in the app. Uh, but Jesus has been in this kind of repertoire of, hey, you've heard it said, but I say to you. And he's coming to the end of the sixth thing that he's talking about. And he's kind of saved the doozy for the last in this. And, and here's what he says in Matthew chapter 5. And if you have the app, you can actually go to sermon notes and follow along with us. That may be helpful tonight for you. Um, here's what he says, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. So like the Pharisees, the teachers, they, they kind of take in the law of God of given, they put this kind of spin on it, and, and they, this whole tradition has been a part of the reality of what has been part of Jewish culture and what's understanding. You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Like, love those that are for God and hate those that are against God. You know, love those that are your neighbor and, and, and have this hate and disdain for people that aren't, and that's what you've heard. But I say to you, verse 44, love your enemies. Jesus, you you don't know what you're asking. You don't know what he did. I know. I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Are you kidding me, Jesus? In that way, you'll be acting as true children of the Father in heaven. For he gives the sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what, what reward is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different than anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I don't know how that sits with you. But if we're just honest and just real, that's really challenging. This is not for the faint of heart. I know some people look at Christians or Christ followers and say, well, it's just a crutch. It's just, you know, it's just something for you to put your faith in and, and like you're feeble and weak. No, no, no. You can't be weak and do what Jesus is actually saying to do. In fact, you might be part of the strongest people on the planet if you actually live in alignment with Jesus. Because what Jesus calls us to 
is not for the faint of heart. This is hard stuff. This is challenging. It's not for the weak. Now, I know in some sense, maybe you don't have an enemy identified in your mind. Maybe your childhood was good. Maybe your young adulthood has been good. Maybe you've had challenges in your backstory, but nothing like abnormal or weird, or maybe you just haven't had a giant hill to climb. Maybe you haven't had someone that's been against you or or a nemesis of a situation even that you've had to face. And so to put a a tag to anything as an enemy, maybe you can't quite do that. Maybe, let me couch it this way. Are there people in your life that you struggle to love? Because that's really what Jesus is saying here. And friends, I'm just being honest. That is a journey that I think every person on the planet treads, including me. This is not for the faint of heart. What's this word enemy mean? Ekthros is the the Greek word here for that. It's found throughout the Bible. Most frequently it's used referring to an impersonal, kind of a national, a civic enemy, someone that's opposing nation. It would have been Rome in the first century as the occupying power over the Jewish people, probably what people would have seen. It's also frequently used to, to, to identify a personal enemy, a person who maybe is out to get you at every turn. Given its frequent use of both uh, kind of emphasis, it's seen here that, that Jesus is challenging the reality that anybody, it's kind of an all skate, anybody would find this to be true. And my hunch is you would find to be true. Maybe if you're asking yourself, hey, is there anyone in my life that I struggle to love? My hunch is you could identify a group, you could identify a person, you could identify an individual. So I'm asking, who's your enemy? It may not come quickly to your mind. For some of you, it does. But see, Jesus, once again, is overturning conventional norms here. He's asking us to respond to our enemies in a very unorthodox way. It kind of reminds me of a scene in West Wing. I don't know if you guys have ever watched West Wing. I, uh, as a leader, I, I love the show. I've watched it a couple different times and learned so much from it. It's this hypothetical uh, take on the West Wing. So the presidency and just everything that goes around that. And President Bartlett's in there, and in one of the episodes, uh, one, of, uh, one of the American planes is shot down. And his doctor, like his brand new doctor was on there, and his doctor had just had a child. And the, the plane is lost, and they go into the situation room, you know what that is, and the generals and the high you know, brass and the great leaders are gathered around this table to figure out what do we do in responding in the situation. And it's pretty heated exchange of what's happening. And there's a lot of emotion in the room, because typically when you're dealing with an enemy, emotion is right there with you. And it's pretty stark what's there, and the generals are kind of saying, here's how we would respond proportionately in kind. And President Bartlett yells out, well, what if I don't want to do that response? And they're like, well, what other response would you want? A disproportionate response, like total disaster, that's what I want. 
And the reality is, that's how we all feel. Like, that's the truth of the moment when you're in facing an enemy, someone that you're struggling to see. It's the emotional drive within us that stirs us to want to have a disproportionate response. And I would say to you, Jesus is calling for a disproportionate response. It's just not the one that you feel. He's actually challenging you not to have an emotionally driven response, but a response with guided maturity. And that's tougher. That is not for the faint of heart. Jesus calls us to love our enemies. We live in a world where we want to demonize our enemies. Jesus is calling us to look in the eyes of our enemy. That's a different posture, a different challenge. Now, I want to give a small caveat here, because this reality of wrestling with this does not mean that we turn a blind eye to injustice or to harm or to evil. This is not saying that we can't have appropriate boundaries for protection or to see consequences to see justice done on behalf of those who are being hurt or taken advantage of. This is not a call to stay in abusive situations, nor to overlook wrongs or not stand up for peace and health and protection. That's not what Jesus is challenging. This is a challenge and a command from Jesus that calls you and me as followers of Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I don't care if you do this. Jesus is going to tell you through the whole Sermon on the Mount, this is the best possible way to live. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, well, then you, you get to choose. But if a follower of Jesus, if you're a person who has put your faith and trust in Jesus, then he is challenging you to begin to live in alignment with him, which is different than the world. This is not for the faint of heart. Following Jesus doesn't make you weak. Man, friend, it makes you dependent. But it actually grows a godlike strength in you if you allow him to. That's stronger than anything you've ever felt or known. When you live in alignment with him. This is a challenge to say, to live above the law of reciprocity, to move beyond a natural emotional response to a spiritually mature response. See, the law of reciprocity is this idea of you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You love me, I'll love you. That's the reality of what happens, and that's how the world works. We all operate in an office system or a family structure or a network of friendships that this is how it works. You take care of me, I'll take care of you. You express to me, I'll express to you. You hurt me, we're done. And that's the law of the land. That's reciprocity. That's the idea that I will respond to you in kind. How you treat me is how I treat you. That's how the world seems to work. And that is what Jesus is pushing against. Anyone here a fan of the office? Do you have a favorite character? Turn to your neighbor. you got five seconds. Who's your favorite character in The Office? If you've never watched a season or a show of The Office, I think my daughter has watched six times through the entire office. I, I don't know uh, how that has warped her at all. I don't know. But um, in this, and maybe you remember this episode where Dwight brings in bagels, 
And Dwight brings in the bagels, and he's, he's deliberately brought the bagels in order to get people to owe him something. I brought you a bagel. It's delicious. You owe me. And that's literally what he says. And in this episode, Andy, who is kind of a, just an awesome, cool dude, and like, you know, isn't he the guy that sings in the, the four-part harmony? Like, he's, okay, well, anyway, uh, like, he was Glee before Glee. Anyway, so like, Andy was like, he, he can't have, like, someone do something nice for him and him not do something nice back. And so the whole entire episode is him trying to outdo Dwight and helping bless him. And they're like holding the door for each after you, after you, no, after you, after you. And like, I'll get your chair, I'll get your chair. It's just this whole idea, it's reciprocity. It is what it is. You do something nice for me, I'm gonna do something nice for you. And this is how it works. And this is how our world works. No one's denying that. What Jesus is challenging you and me as a follower of Jesus is to not just live there. Because even the pagans and the tax collectors do that. You know what's interesting? Is that was a jab. That was a total jab from Jesus. Who's the ones that he said in verse 20 and verse 21, hey, your righteousness has to be higher than the Pharisees. Like the religious good dudes of the day, the religious leaders of the day, your righteousness has got to be greater than them. And everyone would have looked at Jesus and said, there's no way. Like, they're so good, I can't do that, I can't live. Because obedience was about how we, how we act. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 obedience doesn't start at just your actions, it actually begins way before that. And, and I'm going to do a little surgery here because I want to get to your heart. Because it's what happens in your heart plays out in your life. And I'm concerned about your heart. That's what I want to change. That's what I want to transform. And then the actions, that'll come easy. You'll just naturally do it. Now, it doesn't mean it's easy to do. But it's you begin to live more and more this way. Jesus is establishing a new reality, a new way of living that distinguishes those of the kingdom of God from the rest of the world. There should be a difference. Citizens of his kingdom will take the extra step to love generously and kindly without reciprocity. That's a challenge in a world that seems to operate that way. It's a deeply ironic twist that Jesus says, if you just love those who love you, well, then you're no better than a tax collector, of which a Pharisee would have seen a tax collector, a traitor of the Jewish people, as the lowest of the low. If you're no better than that, then you're no better than a pagan. Again, the Pharisees would have seen that as the bottom rung and what Jesus is pointing out is, even to the Pharisees, the religious of the day, your righteousness, it ain't as good as you think it is, because I see your heart. It's this challenge, and Jesus keeps drilling deeper and deeper. Love is the great message and vision of Christianity. Christians are to be known by their L O V. E. See John 13, 34. A new command I give you, Jesus said. Again, he's claiming his deity. Who gives commands? Well, God gave the first ten. 
And here is God in the flesh, God the Son, giving the next one. You are to love one another. As I have loved you, you're to love one another. By this, all men will know what? That you're my follower. This is the stamp that is to mark your life. You and I are rescued and called into God's kingdom and challenged to love without strings attached. And that is not the law of reciprocity. That's challenging. Jesus outlines the results of this kind of love and he says this is the way that when you live this way it will mark you and it will make a challenge to those around you. The whole Bible, the story of God is him loving his enemies. Jesus demonstrated this himself. You and I were enemies of God. I don't know if you knew that or not but the scriptures say that apart from God, it wasn't like we just got lost and were separated from God. No, we were against. It was our rebellion against God that brought sin into the world. God, we know better. We'll go our way. We don't need you. That's where it went wrong to begin with. Romans 5.8, here's how Paul describes it. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. While we were still in our own rebellion, Christ died for you, and he died for me. Jesus sacrificed his life to change you from an enemy of God to a friend of God through faith in him. And now, as a follower of him, you're to be recognized as one of his kids, and part of the DNA of God is love. You cannot read the New Testament. You cannot look at the life of Jesus and not see this on display all over the place. That doesn't mean Jesus didn't get upset. That doesn't mean Jesus didn't stick up and stand up in the situations that he needed to. He did. But love marked him more than anything else. We're to be recognized that living above the law of reciprocity and living with the law of love as the guiding principle of our life. That when people bump into you, do they walk away having felt loved a little bit more? Doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. Doesn't mean you can't have differences theologically of opinion. Doesn't mean you can't be different but do they walk away feeling loved? That's the challenge. Uh, how Luke captures this passage, Jesus taught the Sermon on the Plains in Luke chapter 6, a very similar sermon, and here's how this whole section of love your enemies plays out, just some quick application for us as we close tonight. Here's what it says, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But if you're willing to listen, Jesus is teaching the people again, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. Again, this goes way above the law of reciprocity. Do good, bless, and pray. See, when you live with a rival mentality, then our capacity to love becomes instantly diminished. If I see someone as a rival, my ability to love, my capacity to love is diminished. 
Enemies minimize my ability to love. It's anti-gospel. Going public with your hate doesn't help us live a life that's flourishing. That's what Jesus is trying to get at through the whole Sermon on the Mount. It actually handicaps you. And it hinders your ability for you to flourish and to live life with God. We are so good in our culture at creating enemies. An enemy makes it really easy. And we've made it a sport in our day. We create enemies in order to distance ourselves and to insulate ourselves, to build ourselves up as better than someone else. We live in a culture that cheers the demise of our enemies and celebrates our perceived superiority. But when we live with that kind of reality and mindset, that if, if we come to the mindset of, of remembering that we were all enemies of God, and there but for the grace of God go I. That was one of my grandfather's famous sayings. There but for the grace of God go I. That stuck with me. Because the only reason I'm here is because of the grace of God. I don't deserve to be here. I didn't do anything to earn it. It's the grace of God that, that met my life and it changed the trajectory of me. And my hunches for some of you, it did the same for you. And God loved you even when you were rebelling against him. And yet his love was big enough to look past that and to intersect your life and to bring change. So how can we begin to live with that kind of love? Well, it starts with receiving that. You've got to receive that first. You cannot do this on your own. Jesus ends this whole statement. Be perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect. Yeah, good luck with that. You can't do that unless you're empowered by God's perfect power living through you. And even this side of heaven, you won't get it perfect. But maybe you'll get it better this year than last year. Maybe you'll get it more consistent. And so I just want to point out the three things Luke says here. Here's what he records. Do good, bless, and pray. Pray for. Prayer recalibrates our heart for people. Seeing them as created by the Father and loved by him. They have been given God-given dignity and value because of who they are. You may not like what they do, and you don't even have to agree with what they do. But you've got to see the dignity that's been placed in them by their creator. Because that's been placed in you. That's what he put there. When you pray for your enemy, you can find it easier to actually love them. Why? Because when you pray, God is actually changing your heart. See, we normally want to pray for those that we have reciprocity with. It's a challenge to pray for an enemy. But God loves them too. Make it a practice. We've been challenging you to practice with one person, uh, to pray with one person a week. Now, I'm not saying you're going to pray with an enemy, but if you make it a practice to pray with one person a week, my hunch is when an enemy crosses your path, you might find it a little bit easier to begin to pray for them. I'm not telling you to be best friends. You don't have to have that many BFFs. You do know that, right? You don't have to be friends with everybody. 
you are to be friendly, and you are to be loving. But that doesn't mean you have to be best buds. You're to pray for them. You're to bless them. Bless your enemy. Speak well of them versus being a verbal arsonist against them. This is why gossip is so destructive and damaging in our culture. And we've all seen it at times. We've all participated in it at times. Your mama probably told you, if you can't say anything nice, then don't say anything at all, right? That's not what Jesus is saying. That's what your mama said. But the way of Jesus calls us for more than just silence. It actually calls us to bless, to be for the good of those that we love and for maybe even those that we struggle to love, to pray for their good, to bless them, to want to see. Things change, maybe, but to want to see good be a part of their life. Do good, the last thing. This is the way of Jesus. Doing good, even small acts of kindness, restores your heart so that love reigns within you and hate doesn't take up residency. What you don't want is to have your heart hang up a vacancy sign that says, hate's welcome here. No, no, no. You want the no vacancy sign. That hatred and disdain and bitterness aren't allowed to live in your heart and that you can work toward forgiveness and freedom and flourishing because that's what Christ wants for you. That's what he wants for me. I love what John Wesley says. Uh, Do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can and all the times you can to all the people you can as long as ever you can. Do good to the people around you. When you love your enemy, you resemble your heavenly father. You are beginning to have his DNA put more and more into your spiritual journey. And see, Jesus didn't just tell us to do this. He actually modeled this. It's fascinating. If you just read through the last week of Jesus' life, think about it. This is a guy who goes to a Roman cross for being innocent. And he did so for you and for me. Jesus washed the feet of the disciple who was going to turn him over and betray him with a kiss. Could you imagine doing that? Your enemy is in the room and Jesus washes his feet. At the arrest, this crowd comes. Swords start swinging. Peter the fisherman chops off an ear because he's not good at fighting, he's a fisherman. And what does Jesus do? Put your sword away. Live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. He picks up the guy's ear and like super glues it back to his head. Like it's a miracle, he heals him. This is the enemy who's coming to arrest him and he heals him. People are falsifying stories about Jesus and what does he do? He kept quiet. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how hard that is to be quiet? 
when everybody's saying everything. But that's what love does. It's not always easy. This is not for the faint of heart. From the cross, the enemies jeer and ridicule him. And what is some of Jesus' last words? Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That is not weak. That's some of the strongest words you'll ever hear. And he says that to you and to me. Father, forgive them. Forgive me. They do not even know what they do. But I've come for them. And I will love my enemies because I want them to be my friend. This is crazy stuff. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. It's this teleos. It's this idea of of mature and full-grown love. That's what Jesus has been building to these last six statements. You've heard it said, I tell you this. You've heard it said, I'm telling you this. You want to have a mature, rich, deep reservoir of love. And the only way you get that is by receiving it first. That's the kind of love God has for you. He actually thinks you're worth pursuing even when you were running away from him. When you were flipping the bird to him, telling him, forget you. And he would simply say, no, I'm not gonna forget you. And he just keep pursuing. Love your enemy. Friends, this is not easy. There will come moments where you get this right. I hope and I pray that you get it right more and more because it does become easier. And it does become something that begins to actually fuel and let you flourish in life, I promise you. It does. It is not easy to get there. And sometimes you're going to get it wrong. I certainly have. But Jesus' challenge is you've heard it said, love your neighbors, hate your enemies. And I think what he'd say is, no, no, see, that's the law of reciprocity. That's how the world works. No, no, what I want you to do is not just what I'm telling you, but what I'm going to show you. I want you to love your enemies. That doesn't mean you have to be best friends with everybody, but that does mean you're different than the world. Friends, I think it's time for followers of Jesus to be different than the world. Here's the hard part. That starts with me. As a follower of Jesus, That has to start with me. That has to start with you. And that's the invitation. Lean deeply into the reservoir of God's love for you, that he loves you. This is Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, you are dearly loved and treasured. And now walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, 
You're to do this. We love because he first loved us, 1 John chapter 4. God love first so we can go next. And so, Father, that's, I guess, what I'm praying for. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, to understand how deeply we are treasured, noticed, valued, and seen, and loved by you? And that that you would build that deep reservoir within us, so anchored to that love, that we could actually do what is maybe one of the hardest things in life to do. And, And that doesn't mean we don't have boundaries, and that doesn't mean that we can't stand up to injustice but we're to walk in the way of love. God, you let your rain fall on the just and the unjust because you are love first and foremost. You went first so we could go next. So would you help us in our little sphere of our life to love our enemies, to even begin to take a step into what that could be. God, we may not get that right every time. But would you pick us back up? Would you help us to step forward? That people may know we are your followers by the way we love. From the darkness I called your name Into darkness your mercy came You called me out, lifted me up How great is your love You bore my weakness, you took my shame my burdens in fields of grace. You called me out, lifted me up. How great is your love. On the heights of heaven, you stepped down to earth. Innocent perfection, you gave your
Father, would you help us to live from a deep well of that love that would grow a very mature faith in us that we might be the people that love like Jesus does. Not a weak kind of love that just reciprocates. But a love that's stronger than any relationship or challenge that comes its way. May your church be filled with that kind of people who love in that kind of way, who can have that kind of impact in the world like you did, like you continue to do, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, 
Amen. Amen. Hey, stay standing because we're going to be real quick. Um, just want to, again, I know we talked about it at the very beginning, but Memorial Day tomorrow, we remember those that, um, that loved to the very end um, and gave everything for us and the freedoms we have in our country. We're very grateful for the men and women who laid down their lives for us. And so I, I pray that you would take that and uh, maybe a moment to pray for families uh, who are, still have an empty seat at the table. Uh, tomorrow. And so I um, want to let you know a couple different things that uh, it, it, we have a guys night out that's coming the end of June. We're going to splitting timbers and throwing axes. We're going to be like our lumberjack selves. It'll be cool. Uh, you can find out information in the app about that. We'd love to invite you. If you are new here, I'd love to meet you at the 10-minute party, which will start in about 35 seconds, right back there in that corner. So if you're new here, we'd love to, to invite you to that. If you're staying for the potluck, which I hope is most of you, um, then uh, you know where that is if you brought food, because it's where you took food. Uh, but if not, you can go straight out these doors to the gymnasium, uh, we have prayed, okay? So, like, if you have food to get out, give us about five minutes, get all that out, and then, like, just go. Like, we've already prayed. So, like, we're not going to pray again, okay? Like, Jesus blesses you and our food. It's awesome. Uh, and so, if you're watching online, mm, walk to your fridge and get your own food, and we miss you. Uh, but, hey, we're going to raise some money tonight. Uh, we have six or seven students that are going to camp this summer. Part of this is a fundraiser. And so there's tip jars on some of the tables. You can feel free to put tips in there. You brought the food, so it's free. Um, and you don't have to. But if you have some funds, you can either tip or you can hang out for the dessert auction, which will be at the end in about 40 minutes or so from now. Okay? We'll do the dessert auction. And I think they can pie us in the face if they bid high enough. We have to start that high uh, because I don't want to get you know, pied in the face for five bucks. Okay, so, like, okay. But it does, that would hurt my pride a little bit. <laughs> All right, guys, we love you. Have a blessed week. We'll see you at the potluck if you're there. If not, we'll see you next Sunday.